Hi, hello, hope you're well. Why am I doing this intro? Great question, comma, me, exclamation point. Couple of things. One, this episode just cuts out because technology can be a fickle mistress. But we recorded plenty at that point more than I'd actually promised them. So at that point, I just we just called it. And so it just cuts out. In light of that, you can check Bill out at twitter.com slash thatbilloakley, which is to say twitter.com slash T-H-A-T-B-I-O-L-O-A-K-L-E-Y. You can also find him on Instagram.com slash thatbilloakley, spelled all the same way, because why wouldn't it be? And as we say, you know, we talk about on the episode itself, Instagram is his hub for all of his fast food reviews and as well for now last week's fourth annual Steamy Awards. So you can check out all of his coverage of that, and you can get a lot of good tips in terms of, at least for me, deep cut snack options that all look really good, different sausage you can buy online, different stuff like that. So pretty awesome. Highly recommend it. It's a great resource. And also he gives great one minute reviews via Instagram for fast food, which is again, I think we talk about quite a bit. It's pretty much all food talk. Spoiler alert. So there is that. Also, this might be the last one for the remainder of the year. I really don't know. A few things are up in the air and everything just feels... I don't know. It just feels more tumultuous than normal, but I guess that's maybe maybe a holiday thing. I don't know. Let me write that down to talk to my therapist about and unpack that more. But either way, might be the last one. Might not. I guess TBD, but regardless, I hope you have a happy holidays. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, whatever you celebrate or don't. Either way, I hope you're okay. And thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Bill's great. He was very patient and nice uh, after my microphone broke 30 minutes before we were initially supposed to record. So I might sound different or not, as this is a different microphone. So there's that. I was mortified. But he's nice, so patient, so kind, and I really enjoyed talking to him. And as like I said, again, in the episode to come, his reviews are great. And I love them, and I'm entertained by them endlessly. And also, I don't know what it is. I just love fast food news for some reason. Still can't quite crack that nut as to why that is, but I do. And we talk about all that. Again, food-centric. Hope you enjoy. Stay safe. Goodbye. This is Social Discasting. Welcome to Social Discasting, a podcast where my guests and I discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves. I'm Brandon, a.k.a. Brandon. Hope you're well. My guest is a TV writer who's involved, been involved, excuse me, in so many funny things like The Simpsons, Mission Hill, and Futurama, and most recently Portlandia, Disenchantment, and Chicago Party Ant, along with, and funnily enough, this is my introduction to him, making great, easily consumable fast food reviews to the point of being branded the Gordon Ramsay of fast food. Please welcome Bill Oakley. Welcome. Hello. It's great to be here. Hello. Thank you again for doing it. I appreciate your time. I guess I always have like some kind of opening salvo, some way to get the show going, I suppose. So the deeply unfair, easy to ask, difficult to answer question, how are you? I am pretty good. Um, I would say that I have, um, you know, this. I live in Portland, yes. and the weather sucks. <laughs> and uh, I would just say that, you know, that's the thing about Portland is if, if the weather were like San Diego – There'd be 20 million people living here, but uh, <laughs> there isn't. And the, the weather is not like that. It's like in the summer, the weather is terrific, but we have a lot of gloomy 
it's a there's a lot of gloom and if, if you ever saw the movie though seattle has the same thing but i think we have it to a greater extent if you ever saw the movie the ring and you yeah. remember what it looked like that's kind of what it looks like here <laughs> and <laughs> so I, I am that other than other than the fact that there's gloom and the sun it gets dark around 3 45 p.m um i i'm doing fine i'm doing great well that's good i i can understand that too the the gloominess factor i know I feel like there's always, for me, like a week or two uh, of a, like a transition period of realizing, I know my brain is like, oh, it's going to rain. And then you just realize, no, this is just what it's going to be like for months. Yeah. Where are Overcast. you? I'm, you know, I always forget to tell people that I'm in Little Rock, Arkansas. Okay. So yeah, you know, it's like the South and it's hot and everything, but winter is also like classically winter with regard to the haze and the gloominess yeah. and you know, it's like for like a week or two, I have to readjust and I kind of really, it really affects me, you know, seasonal affective disorder, I suppose, but it yeah. really gets me. And then once I guess I'm locked into, oh, this is just what it is. It's like, okay, yeah, just another day at that point. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't even necessarily mind the gloom if the sun didn't go down five <laughs> hours before I'm prepared for it to go down, you know, because oh, also I'm like mentally, oh, it's dark. I guess it's time to wrap things up and go <laughs> yeah. and head to have dinner, go to bed. And then it's like, you know, I look at the clock and it's like 406, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. So I can't. So, yes, it's not ideal for me. I should be traveling a lot more than I am to avoid that. But um, I got I got I got stuff to do. Fair enough. I know. Um, yeah, my body is very apparently. Very malleable, yeah, when it comes to being bright or dark outside, because really my brain goes into, and my body goes into, oh, it's bedtime, and again, it's, yeah, to your point, it's like 3.45, and this is not how <laughs> this should be at all. Yeah, at all. I, I'm so with you on that. It's funny, you know, I, I've never been to Oregon, certainly never, by extension, Portland, but I, when I imagine it, I just imagine beautiful, lush greenery, and now in retrospect, bright summers and dark winters i suppose yeah that's accurate is that what what drew you to portland i know you've been there like 10 plus years by now you know i it's just a, it's a great city it's an excellent city has an excellent food scene um i move here ideally to to have my to send my kids to some of the good public schools here yeah. uh and and also be able to commute to los angeles for work and um that's become less and less necessary thank God, uh, because of things migrating online. But uh, I have been, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's far more seen, it's a far saner place to live and raise your family than LA was. And it's also far cheaper. So I like that. And then I've just called, kind of fallen in love with the whole culture here and the food scene and all that. Yeah, I can imagine. It, it seems like a very vibrant city. And in terms of like food cities, for example, it tends to rank as high, if not higher, seemingly on all these collated lists of you know, bigger, much bigger cities, but it's always near the top, it feels like. Uh, what do you think contributes yeah. to that? I think from what I have read, and I, I think this sounds very plausible, it's much cheaper to open a restaurant or even a, or a food cart here than it is in other places. Mm. So chef, people who are very talented chefs who could never afford to open a restaurant in San Francisco can move here and can open either a food cart or even a small restaurant for a fraction of the price. Um, and so we get that's honestly a lot of what I think what contributes to that is that is that it's a great place. And there's well, first of all, there's such a community, there's such a food community here of of 
you know, I think it's a pretty supportive community of, of, you know, talented chefs and restaurateurs and all that kind of thing, as well as the low bar to entry. Like this city has this whole food cart scene here. As I can go into this a little bit later, but is really something special. And it's not people always, it's not like the food truck scene in other cities. It's very different. Um, but I think that's part of it is, and a lot of these carts, eventually, if it's a popular cart might turn into a restaurant as has happened with several successful, um, chains like Lardo, for instance, which now has a number of branches all over the country, including one in Las Vegas, and I think one in Japan, maybe. Oh, wow. That's, that's pretty wild. Like, uh, is it so to your point, though, is it it's carts as opposed to trucks more so in Portland? That's right. Uh, in almost every other city, they're food trucks and they drive around and whereas in Portland, they're carts and they don't move. They're 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 like, you know, they're like, you have to have a they're not necessarily attached to a, a, an engine. Um, yeah. they, they, many of them are like, you know, mobile home type things that are very small. And so um, what they do is they congregate at things called cart pods, which are fantastic. I mean, I think we must have at least 20 or 30 of them now. And, and I would say at least 10 of them are spectacular. And it's like, you know, it's kind of like a food court, an outdoor yeah. food court. And you got, sometimes you have a smaller pod with just three or four. And then sometimes you have a giant one with 30 places. And some of these places, you go to and there's 10 amazing carts there like so this i think that's a, a real plus plus we no that's just to say in addition to that we also have a dynamite restaurant scene with all sorts of award-winning restaurants and so forth too so it's kind of a two-pronged thing um and both of the prongs are exceptional you know uh, thinking about it too like i would think that the that you know the lush greenery factor that i mentioned earlier but just you're probably not far from like farms and things that can make just fresh, vibrant, beautiful, delightful ingredients that also, man, yes. that goes such a long way towards amazing dishes. Yes, that's definitely the case. A lot of places take pride in the, in their local, you know, their local vegetables and meats and wines. And we have all that stuff here. It's, it's, you know, there's a famous, famously lush agricultural bounty in Oregon. That's really not, is I know that Seattle, you know, isn't that necessarily that far away, but how do you think it compares to something that I guess is technically an even bigger city than Seattle, which I'm sure has its drawbacks and its positives? Yeah, Seattle is like number seventh or fifth or seventh biggest city in America, whereas we're number 33, you know, wow. like we're like below Cincinnati. And although Cincinnati, by the way, has a has an NFL team, we don't have anything like that, you know, yeah. so it's like, and they have a, wait. There's a, they have a baseball team too. We don't have any of that stuff. This is a small city and like, it's very different than Seattle in the terms of, when you go to Seattle, it's like you're going to New York practically because it's got this, the traffic 40 minutes away from Seattle, you start hitting the traffic and the traffic is just as bad as L, in my opinion, it's almost as bad as LA traffic. And it's got, you know, it's just a huge megalopolis and it, it's, it's Seattle. Portland is really small compared to Seattle. Um, and you can get, you can get from place to place in about 20 minutes. The maximum time it takes to get from place to place in Portland is about 20 minutes generally, unless you got to go on one of the worst roads during rush hour. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. I never really thought about it. I, or it that also helps me kind of contextualize the relative size of a Portland, you know, as opposed to, I don't know, like you mentioned San Diego. I don't know that in terms of like maybe the, I've been to San Diego and San Diego and Denver kind of remind me, remind me of each other in the sense of like big cities that don't feel that way. 
Yeah. And and I I I really gravitated toward those two, especially in my varied travels. But um Portland, I guess, maybe has the best of both worlds of having that on a vibrant community that feels maybe smaller than it is while also still not being that big, all things considered. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I, I do. I think that's the case. Okay. Well, that's nice. What do you, does Portland do, in your opinion, anything as good as any other city that is known for a particular thing or better even than other cities in your experience? Well, other than the food, I mean, I think this is the best. And I'm not the only, as you said at the beginning of this thing, Portland is the best food city in America, I think. And and uh, I'm not the first person to have said that. Yeah. You know, and I think that's one thing. Other things, I mean, Portland tries to have kind of a European-y vibe with our with our public transit and our like our, our streetcar and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, there's a lot of well-meaning <laughs> attempts to, to do stuff like that and have a lot of publicly supported things and everybody is uh, people are pretty civic minded here which i think is good um it, you know there's a i don't know that i mean i would say like is it the best transit city in america no is it the most you know the f- most fun in the sun beach city in america you know far from it that type of thing so like i, I would say there are other things but i would put the food at the top okay yeah i can see that again uh, my <laughs> my perception of of Portland is colored by just everything you read, having never been there. But it seems like I can understand why so many people well, one thing, moved there. One thing you will read is that it's constantly on fire due to riots. <laughs> that Antifa yeah, runs the yeah, whole exactly. city, and and it's on fire due to riots all the time. And that is not the case. Like the thing is, it's become this weird. Thanks to the stuff that happened last summer, which most of the George Floyd stuff, which was very necessary. Yeah. Um, but then after that, it just became kind of a – the reason is that the police can't use tear gas unless they declare a riot. So every time there's 30 you know, people out there causing trouble, they call it, they call it a riot. <laughs> and so they can throw tear gas at them. And so that's like – so yeah, I guess technically we have a lot of riots, but generally it's a pretty small group. I mean when the whole city gets mad about something like when when – Trump set that weird police force that he cobbled together out of prison guards and stuff yeah. <laughs> to fuck things up here. Then everybody got mad. I mean, I was down there. Uh, it, it, teachers were down there. Old ladies were down there. Dads were down there with their um, with their leaf blowers blowing the tear gas back at them and stuff. And that really got the city mad. But like, you know, in general, like it is not the it is not the hellscape that you that you see on Fox News. You know what? Fair enough. And I can as somebody who is talking to you from arkansas knowing that we only make it in the news for let's be honest mostly mostly bad things but the occasional good thing but it's always you know it's just like uh there's less of a microscope on us so we only make it for the extreme the polarities of good and bad uh unfortunately again mostly bad but um, yeah yeah hey do you know while we're talking about arkansas do you are you familiar with jones barbecue in mariana arkansas I was going to bring that up. Uh, today, that, for, you know, your streaming awards came out. Uh, today, the award for mail, uh, best mail order sandwich, sandwich of the year, I should say, mail order sandwich of the year. And when I saw the winner was from Mariana, Arkansas, I, that genuinely put a pep in my step. I was like, have okay. you been there? I have. Uh, years ago, like before I have whatever palette I have now, so I need to return. But seeing that, I had no expectation that that place would be the winner. 
It's amazing. Wow, it's so good. And it like I mean, sandwiches to a varying degree hold up. You know, how do they hold up the shipping to two days with dry ice or whatever? Some don't make it quite so well, but those did, and man, that they were really terrific. So yeah, I was. That was the, and that's only that's the only thing I've food I've ever ordered from Arkansas. It's that that's a in terms of like what would be the thing to order from Arkansas. That's got to be that's probably the best top tier choice I suppose you can get. You know, because we're not known for any particular one thing over the other. You know, we like any other southern state, a lot of Mexican places, a lot of pizza places also. But then again, that's probably just the nature of the genre. Every state mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just has some form of pizza. But um, I mean, yeah, because like thinking about it in terms of like if we have any chains attributed to us, I chick- Slim Chickens is an Arkansas-based chain. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. David's Burgers, which is like mostly still just, I don't think it's outside of the state, uh, does mm-hmm. an amazing burger. But other than that, you know, we're, we're Walmart country, I suppose. Yes, that's where, the, that is Walmart HQ. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, that said, like Bentonville in recent years has been infused with a lot of that Walton money. And the Arkansas, the, the food scene in Northwest Arkansas in particular is really rising up the ranks for a lot of people to the point where I think I saw an article last week, maybe, where, and, and I, I don't remember the source of it, so it could be some Northwest institution that wrote the article, but it was like, is is Northwest Arkansas the, the new Austin, Texas? Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a real thing, like, to the point where I would not be surprised, quite honestly, if, you know, they're in, in, in the next however many years, maybe even like a Michelin-starred restaurant is there because it's pretty legitimate. It's it's pretty impressive. Cool. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah it's a pretty exciting thing. So uh, apparently some people <laughs> either are going to be buying land in Northwest Arkansas in response to that type of article or maybe just, you know, every place gets overgrown, you know, like a mm-hmm. Portland and then an Austin and then now a Nashville seems to be the the current for you know forerunner for popular places with an eclectic culture and a great rich food scene and everything else so i don't know maybe maybe bentonville and or fayetteville arkansas maybe they're next on the list i don't know wow well i look forward to visiting if that becomes to be the case it's i gotta tell you it's uh again it's an easy target and and i can understand all of them to be quite honest but it's also a beautiful state and anybody i've talked to who's been here uh, raves about just the experience of it. It's just kind of one you don't. It's a state you don't really think about. And I yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I guess you know. I again, my introduction to you was the fast food reviews that you do on Instagram, predominantly, if not that's your main hub of, of reviews. Uh, I, I love them. I think they're great. Again, they're Thank easily you. consumable, and and I'm. And again, they're like one minute each, so it's like so easy just to like. Yeah. What, what is the latest? That's my favorite thing? part. <laughs> I know. My favorite you, part of them. Did you have to adapt kind of to the style of what those type of videos entail, which is to say, like, you know, what you say is well thought out and very like an economy of words, but it's also said in a quick way to just get everything you need to get out out there. You know, it's interesting there, because I'm not the person. I'm not the only person doing this. There, there's got to be 700,000 people doing this on YouTube. Yeah. Some of whom are very famous 
you know, and like have been doing it for years and have 3 million followers who do fast food reviews. And I think that honestly, their reviews are great. And, and, and I've, I've followed many of those guys. Um, but I don't know how they managed to stretch the reviews to 13 minutes long. Like, yeah. like I think, and I think that I assume that the reason that that has to happen is because you can't monetize the video or you can't get any money from the ads if it's under a certain length. So I think sense. that's, yeah. I think that's probably why they do it that way. Um, and that's also why I chose to do Instagram because there's, you know, it, that's a well-trod area is, is doing this on YouTube, but nobody's doing it on Instagram because Instagram is not made for videos. Um, and they only let you post a video that's 59 seconds long. That's the maximum length you can post. And that therefore became the default length of my, my videos. Um, and so, yes, it's a challenge to I, every one of these videos. Generally I have to chop and chop and chop until it's just the essentials. Um, and then I also have, you know, I try to make it entertaining as well. So it's not just information, but there's a little bit of humor or something in there as well. So getting it challenge, it is a challenge to get that stuff in there. Um, especially, while making it amusing as well, or at least moderately entertaining in some way. Oh, no, I, you absolutely accomplished that, in my opinion. And I think um, I also imagine, though, that knowing your limitation is a minute is also like it's refreshing and, not, and kind of takes the pressure off because, you know, that this is my limitation. I just have to do it. This is just what I have to do. One minute. There we go. Yeah, I like that. And I hope that Instagram doesn't change it. I bet they're going to do it because they I bet they're going to change it to some way that's going to make it worse because they're desperately trying to get this IGTV thing and, and off the ground and, 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 and the Instagram reels and all this other junk. Yeah, and they're also trying to force you to make it vertical video as well. So like I, I have a fear that one day I'm going to log on and there's going to be some radical change that is going to force me off the platform. I fear you're right, just because it, it feels like, um, you know, just with the nature of like social media, it's like they feel like they have to make a change just for the sake of it. Otherwise, it's like it, the perception is that they're not that it's like they're giving up or something as if like right, you can't right. you just can't by extension that you just can't have it too good for too long in something like this. Yes. I mean, just look at Twitter and how many crazy things Twitter has gone through in the past year with the, the whole <laughs> thing with the, the fleets. Remember the fleets God, that they yeah. had? They were and very then, fleeting, ironically, and then, or appropriately. The Twitter spaces, which is just a total ripoff of a clubhouse. And it's like, gosh, I mean, they're really tacking a lot of stuff onto Twitter here. Um, yeah, and Instagram it, does the same. It also just is kind of, a, a again, like a, a a calming reminder that nobody knows anything. Like even the yeah. people that are the experts in their own thing have no concept of what people want anymore, I guess, than, than I do, to be honest, at this point. Yes. Well, uh, they got a lot of money, though, and they seem to th they seem to think they know what they're doing. So, you know, that's the nature of the hubris of Silicon Valley. Yeah, fair enough. Um, the <laughs> God, I could, that's a subject I could talk about for a podcast unto itself. Uh -huh. my, my prognostications on the aimlessness of Silicon Valley. But uh, I guess to keep it to the thing that I also love, just food and fast food in general. Like before you were doing these, you know, as formally as you are now, though, uh, were you, were you like me, I guess, like keeping up on fast food news, looking for the latest thing, trying the latest thing? Is this just an extension of what you were already doing? Yes. I was always interested in this topic, you know, because like even as like a teenager, I'd be like, hey, McDonald's has this new thing. Should make chicken McNuggets. We should all go try it. You know, and I want, I always like to know what kind of new thing was coming out in fast food. And even 
And back when we were at The Simpsons, uh, Josh and I subscribed to Nation's Restaurant News and some other restaurant publications because it oh, was nice. just interesting to us to see what was going on in the food world. And since then, uh, I just kind of have, you know, I have had a lot of opinions about fast food and, and fast food history and fast food culture that I would just put on Twitter. And uh, about three and a half years ago, I decided, hey, I should just make some videos. And that was the transition point. Um, but it's always been a topic of, of interest for me, yes. Probably because I was so deprived of it as a kid. Oh, I could see that. Yeah. I, I know that I wasn't like uh, consciously, depri consciously deprived, but we just didn't have it a ton. And I don't know if that necessarily is what did it or the fact that like it's just always been – it's just the thing that, you know, it's been around for decades or half a century at this point. But it's just always been there. So I'm just kind of fascinated by it and what – you know what the market is what the latest trend is going to be mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. we're in the midst of the the chicken sandwich assance i suppose yeah. although that feels like it's i'm assuming nearing an end it's and over I'm curious, now thank god it's got to be like right so i'm just curious like what the what the next big thing is going to be at at this point a part of me wonders like maybe it's french fries i know wendy just did the new french fry and that was a bummer the, yeah the new iteration uh, I, you know, with that one specifically, I wonder, It's it takes so long, so many years, presumably, to develop something like that and come up with it before it goes to market. I wonder, is it in response to the pandemic and fries keeping longer that way? Yes, or, that's what okay. they said. They actually invited me to the – Wendy's has invited me to a number of their PR events that are online, and, and I was at the one for the French fries. Okay. And they they were so proud of them, and they had worked for so many years. And I think that it was – their main impetus was we want fries that will stay crispy for 20 or 30 minutes for delivery. Okay. And that's what they said really, and, and that was their goal. Um, unfortunately, and, and the fries do well to arguably, to some degree, stay crispy, but they don't have any flavor. Exactly <laughs> the problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, what do you like of the of the two? Like, uh, what? It's like, well, is it worth it to sacrifice some of the things you're going to inevitably have to sacrifice by the nature of what you're trying to accomplish? And uh, when it comes to the purpose of food, which is my opinion, at very at minimally to have some semblance of taste, that's a pretty big thing to sacrifice. And it's a bummer yeah. because I loved, you know, even before they did the sea salt iteration of their fries, which I quite liked what it was before. And then the sea salt, you adapt and it still tastes good. But now it kind of reminds me of the Burger King fries, which is to say, yeah, they keep longer, but there's really nothing to them for me. It's a bummer. Yeah. I don't think uh, uh, as I did kind of a comparison taste test between all, between various fries uh, yeah. when these came out. And like McDonald's ones still hold up the best. They're still delicious and they hold up for about maybe 10 minutes. Um, but, the, but they're the only fry that I would bother to eat without a ton of ketchup, maybe. Like everything okay. else is just a delivery vehicle for ketchup. And as I said in the video that I did for this topic, I don't even like fries that much. You know, I always rather have a second hamburger for the same number of calories. You can have a second burger. And I don't know, I would never forego a second burger for, yeah. for French fries, you know, um, no, I, I would maybe for onion rings. Um, okay. But that's, that's a, that's my one thing that I would like as a side is onion rings. Also mozzarella sticks. Sometimes it was like Arby's. Arby's, Arby's is great. Like it's, I agree. It's I agree. so impressive. Like, yeah, it is a little bit pricier than your, you know, quote unquote normal or regular fast food. But considering the fact that 
the taste is comparable to that added price, if not exceeding it, depending on the item. It's it feels like it's somehow slept on, I guess, because it's not because it is a little bit more expensive and slightly more niche niche in that regard. But it's amazing. It's so good. I, I, I agree. I didn't really barely even have Arby's at all in my entire life until I started doing this thing. And I'm like, I, where, where have you? I just I love it now. I would go there all the time if it weren't so far away. Oh, okay. Oh, well, maybe that, maybe that's a blessing in disguise. Yeah. I know for me, know, knowing that there's one like a mile and a half from here, I, I, take, I have to work to undo my desire to eat it all the time. Like uh-huh. I've heard the venison sandwich they do seasonally is really good too. Have you? Had it, it was good, but I don't like ve- you know. I, I it was good for venison, yes. but I don't like the venisony, uh, gamey taste of, of venison. But they, it was a, it definitely was a good sandwich. Well, that's good, please. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, uh, just the idea of like, yeah, let me just in this drive-through order venison is a very. I know. Um, <laughs> it's a lot to process, just in and of itself, just the nature of that. Um, what do you think it is about McDonald's fries that makes them like indelible? Is it maybe the fact that they haven't changed much over the years, and it's just like they just have a good thing going? You know, I cannot speak to the food science of what it is. I think that they, like, I don't know for sure. Like, I know that. You know, they used to use beef tallow up until the mid '90s when everybody yeah. became so worried about trans fat. They started using beef tallow. They stopped their beef tallow, and people say that those were so good. I mean, and so I cooked some. I found the old recipe online, and I cooked some in beef tallow. And yeah, they were about five percent better, but it wasn't a giant difference, in my opinion. Um, I think that there's some something to their process. It's not only the potatoes, but also I feel like they spray them. I heard that they spray them with sugar or something like that, and I don't know whether that's really true, but there, there <laughs> that'll do it. Something, yeah. There's some there's something to the fries that, that they do that's proprietary that makes them better than everyone else's fries, and I don't I know I don't have the skills to figure out what it is. Yeah, I I know that. Yeah, I certainly don't. I'm just I am strictly a consumer of them, and have been for so long. But I, yeah, I don't know. It's just that thing where like they are just the the champion of fries and have always been as long as I can remember and it feels like everybody's just chasing that and I don't I just don't know what it is I don't know what it's gonna take for anybody to get there but anybody that tries it feels like they flail because it's just you can't beat it it's unbelievable I, definitely and I think they're you know it's probably also they've got a whatever they've locked up over the past 70 years they probably have locked up first dibs on all the best potatoes and they probably yeah. have locked up that you know whatever machines are necessary to 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 process them and things like that so my guess is it would be extremely hard and probably not even worth the effort to topple mcdonald's probably in, not. for fries yeah I, it's interesting too with mcdonald's specifically how they maintain the dominance over the fries but it seems like to me in recent years They've had to actually respond to the market instead of establishing it overall for the first time, like as far as I can remember, in a kind of a way of like Walmart having to respond to an Amazon. Mm-hmm. Normally, they establish the market, they set it, and everybody else just, you know, is caught up in the ripple effect of that. But McDonald's, you know, whenever they did, and I know they've taken it away, and I think in reflection of like the pandemic, the all day breakfast to me, I was like, oh, that's a nice thing, but it felt like a desperation move to me. Do you think that's I completely the case or no? agree? I part of the I think, in fact, I think that was one of the things that led to me doing this was my 
my frustration with the all day breakfast <laughs> where I was, like, I was, I was mad, genuinely mad about it. Honestly, I, it was confusing I so too. I think the thing is that like they wanted some way to increase profits without having to get any new food yeah. on the menu. And all they did was allow, figure out a way to allow them to cook the same food all day long. So great. And so, but it did, but okay, here's the thing. It did work. It did raise it. They got the stock went way up. They started the profits went up. So, you know, who are we to determine that that's like, and this is like McDonald's just can't have any, the problem with McDonald's is it's so colossal that for them to add any new item causes some just has to be planned five years in advance and causes some major supply chain issues. Whereas smaller chains like say Shake Shack or even Jack in the box can add a new item every month. Um, but McDonald's cannot because it's such a big, slow moving giant. So you never get anything new there. Um, or you do maybe once a year and it's always just a very slight variation of what already exists. Um, and the all day breakfast was an attempt to, you know, try to capitalize, get a new menu without having to do anything. And it worked, but it made you and me mad. <laughs> and so It really did. It yeah. it just felt like its own form of complacency, like the admittance of we know we need to do something, but we just don't have the energy to muster that. So let's just let's just do this little thing, give them something. But to me, even in the moment, it felt like a short term solution to a long term problem. Yeah, I think that may be true. I mean, that guy got fired. Eventually, Steve Easterbrook, who was the CEO, who that was his idea, I believe, got fired. But then it turned out he was having an affair with an employee. And there's like a lot yeah. of other messy stuff that went on with that. So it's not clear. I think that that was generally regarded as a big success uh, in the corporate thing. And the fact of the matter is that because I've done a couple events, online events with Mike Harris, who used to be the head chef at McDonald's. He just says, like, you know, it just can't be done because of the issues. Like, if McDonald's wanted to have an item, just say a new item with blueberries, right? Mm-hmm. You would have to – it would take every blueberry in America. You'd have to have the blue. – you'd have to ask the farmers to grow extra blueberries. you have to start four years in advance, and you would have to – and it would basically require all this new equipment and all this other stuff. And it just it, – that's why they can't do anything like that because they're paralyzed by their own hugeness. That's fascinating. I never thought about it that way of just uh... – <laughs> To be the biggest obviously has its own set of advantages and problems, but now that they're in the position seemingly of having to respond to the market, they are now paralyzed by their own size. Well, they do. Here's the thing. I think they found a way to do it with these things, with these musical, these things that are tie in with these musical groups. And that's really smart that they've done that. Yeah. And they don't have to do anything new. Like all they had to do for the Sweetie meal was just print new bags. New bags yeah. and a new new label for the sweet and sour sauce, and it suddenly became the sweetie meal. Um, you know, at least for the BTS ones, they got two new sauces, but even that apparently was a giant undertaking. Um, but like, yeah, it gets people in there, and and they don't have to do anything new. That's and that's really what they want, I think. Yeah, no, see, I never thought about that way. Yeah, that's uh, it's kind of the best of both worlds. They have such minor amounts. I mean, it's mostly signage that they have to change. Yeah, and then and then otherwise it's like yeah, it's just we're just putting these in. It's just a new, it's a new like it's like a number twelve meal or something like that's yeah. the only real difference. And other places are copying them. You know, they had the um, Megan the Stallion sauce at Popeyes, and Burger King had those other crazy ones too that were like the real deal, yeah. whatever it was. Yeah, and, and... like the real names of uh, right. Yeah. And so yeah. there's that's become the new thing, and they they pioneered it again. You know, McDonald's knows what they're doing but and 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 my real only complaint with mcdonald's is just that the menu is too static 
But you know, when I want new stuff, I'll go I have to go to Jack in the Box or Shake Shack or whatever, someplace that's smaller and can move a little faster. Yeah, I was going to say. Speaking of that, like, do you what um, you know fast food place of a certain size? Do you think is the best at innovating at this point? Well, it would be Taco Bell, but I don't like it. The thing about Taco Bell is they innovate constantly. There's a new item yeah. every month, but it's just a combination. It's just the same 12 things in a different combination. Like it's <laughs> rare that they have any different, they, they have anything different, right? They're good. They, they're they good at always, permutations. Yeah. Yeah. They just got 12 ingredients and they just combine them in different ways. And so I don't really, it's rare that I like something or love something there. Um, in terms of like the chains that are like, I've always been very impressed with all the new stuff from Jack in the Box. I know that they're not, you don't have them out there. I think they're more no. regional. Um, and I also, um, I don't know. I, honestly, there's there are not any big chains that are doing anything particularly innovative. I would say Shake Shack does a fair amount of stuff like that, but we only have one in this whole state. So it's not exactly like a chain, a huge chain at least. Yeah. It feels like, yeah, it feels like the... Um... The ubiquity of Shake Shack is, you know, as far outweighs how many, where you can, you know, the, your, the regionality, where you can actually get one. Because, like, I know plenty of it from the Doughboys of the world, for example, but there's not one anywhere close to me, like, at all. Yeah, yeah. I And, and it's here, we have one here that just recently opened, and it's the only one for, my, you know, for 300 miles. Uh, but it's good. It, it is. It's good. And they, they vary widely, though. I've had some really crummy ones in L.A. and Washington, D.C., and I think it, it's a location-based. The quality goes up and down depending on what location you you visit. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. And also, like, there is obviously a real fear of oversaturating the market. You know, I think, like, Blaze Pizza is the was for a time. I don't know where it's at now, but even in the last few years, was the biggest, fastest-growing chain in the history of chains. And Subway, which I, is not fast food, I don't care what anybody says <laughs> at all. It's arguable. It's it's more arguable that it's uh, food than it is, let alone fast food. But <laughs> that is a place that was so. I mean, they truly oversaturated the market with the franchises that that they're they, they have to regress now. There have to be ones that close because they just can't sustain it at this point. Yeah, yeah. Well, they expand. That was their whole thing was just to expand. They didn't care if there was another subway on the same block. They would have put another one, you know, and, and I, I think it, it backfired to some extent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I have a, <laughs> again, I have dumb resentments towards certain things regarding fast food. One of them is the fact that Subway is so popular and that Quiznos barely exists. Uh, I love that yeah. place and it's nowhere to be found here. It sucks. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a valid concern. I mean, have you? I've, there's a lot of other sub chains these days. Like there's Potbelly, and there's Firehouse, and there's Jersey Mike's, and yeah. there's you know what's the other one? Um, there's several. There's like five or six, you know, and all are they're far better than Subway. But like, I don't know. Subway's got their method down, I guess. I guess so. I guess now that they took the yoga mats out of the bread, that yeah. really goes a long way for people. Um, which is still wild that that's a fact, but that that's what happened. Yeah, and you know, like um, we have each of those that you mentioned. Um, although uh, Jersey Mike's is like hasn't quite made it down to Central Arkansas yet, but I've heard nothing but glowing reviews, pretty much. Uh, and we have uh, Jimmy John's, which I don't go to. Just what a shithead owner that is! I can't yeah. indulge that. What a piece of shit! 
Uh, and we had Lenny's Sub Shop for a time, too, and that just... I think they oversaturated the market. We had like five of them here and there. They're just gone now. And I, maybe just the overall parent company is kind of gone. I'm not sure. Uh, but Potbelly in particular is very good. It's pricey, yeah. but it's very good. I agree. Um, well, oh, is there, is there an item? I always think when I think of this, I always think of one particular item for me, but is there an item that you wish whether that was just like taken away from an, uh, a menu of a fast food place or that it was just kind of like seasonal or a limited time situation that you wish would come back or something that like whether it's incorporating a new type of meat or a sauce that you wish a fast food place would add to their menu? Yes, there's lots of them. The first one that springs to mind is the McDonald's. Um, there's a number of things from McDonald's. Yes. But- most from about three years ago, McDonald's sweet and swi- sweet and spicy barbecue tenders, uh, which were like you know they were like the tenders. They were bigger pieces of chicken, and they had this delicious barbecue sauce on them. Uh, they were only around for about six months. Uh, that's one thing. And then also, I really like that they had those wraps like seven or eight years ago, maybe even more. They had those I wraps, those, and there yeah. was one of them that had like it was like a Thai sweet chili one which was really good and was like healthy i mean pretty healthy compared to most fast food uh that's another thing i miss um and there's a lot and then there's a, things from the distant past that i never even got to try like the onion nuggets which i would love to try onion um, nuggets? i didn't know that yeah i think they're the precursor to the chicken nuggets um apparently like there was the method of cooking them and stuff um but they look so good when you see these photos of them um those are those are probably the three biggest ones from McDonald's. The other chains, I don't have. There aren't any particular things that I love that vanished, that haven't come back at some point. And that's fair. I mean, also there's just so many different items and kind of like what we were talking about with social media sites and platforms that sometimes it just feels like they're throwing things at the wall just to see what sticks, and sometimes nothing does. But I I know for me that. Wendy's, and I think they they had a brief resurgence of it in maybe like August, but Wendy's for a time had uh, ghost pepper sauce, and that, and this was like three or four years ago, and they brought it back maybe around the same time the year later, but they just haven't really done it much. That stuff is good, and I think maybe the nature of something with a certain amount of heat, it's probably tough to harness a repeatable amount of heat and that's probably tough to do that and they want to play it safe and they don't want to blow people's taste buds out of the water but man alive it is good and i wish they'd bring it back yeah was it really really hot the first iteration was really hot and it was a delight and then the second one they figured out oh it was too hot i guess for the average customer and it was very much diluted and it was kind of a bummer that's another thing well i just two things i remembered another item i want which is the double decker taco from taco bell which they took off the menu for no apparent reason like two years ago i'm sure there's some reason that they're just planning to bring it back with a lot of fanfare that was my favorite item at taco bell so yes okay and also to answer your question about that or to, to to add a sidebar to your ghost pepper thing there's a reason i discussed this with mike harris as well the fast food sauces are not too hot. It's for insurance reasons. Like, uh, like yeah. that's because like, you know, imagine this kid, the kid squirts it in the, the other kid's eye, you know, or something like that. Like, it's all about like, you can't, there's a certain level, even the hottest, in my opinion, the hottest sauces ever served at Taco Bell aren't that hot, you know, certainly compared at to all. any hot yeah. sauce you'd buy on a shelf, you know. Um, so 
like I think that there's honestly there's a, like a liability fear that you can't there's a certain uh, level beyond which you can't go because it just creates too many issues someone is eating it and they drive off the road because it's so hot they yeah. sue you successfully or as i said the little kid squirts it in the other little kid's eye when <laughs> when they're in the back seat and that kind of thing that's like there's insurance issues up the wazoo yeah i know and it makes absolute sense and i say that i'm still resentful i'm like i want to be i want heat but it's never yeah to your point carry your own bottle around carry your own bottle in your in your car i gotta do my own life hack i suppose at this point um i do want to ask you too like about the the streaming awards we're in the midst of them right now and so we're recording on a wednesday and just started for the the formal streaming awards on monday all right is it is it through the rest of this week is that right like yes it goes monday to friday Um, although there's around the around the edges there's some there's always a little bit of special stuff on the thing. And I should say also, by the way, the Streamy Awards are different than the Steamy Awards. I do the Steamy Awards, which are based on this. The reason it's called the Steamed Steamy Awards is because of the Steamed Hams sketch I wrote for The Simpsons. Yes, I misspoke. Steamy Awards. That's okay. Me. People always get that wrong because there is a Streamy Awards for <laughs> web, sort of for yeah, web podcast streaming. So it's totally fine. Anyway, yes, we generally have about 10 categories. I put out two per day, Monday through Friday, uh, you know, honoring the best things I ate all year. And about maybe usually uh, some of them are fast food, but other things are things like, as I said, which, as we discussed, mail order sandwiches or sauces, condiments, you know, um, uh, potato chips, candies, things like that too. How much preparation goes into this? Are you, are you like keeping note of the great things you eat throughout the year since it's like, to your point, like the yes. culmination of everything? Yes. So, it's a, so you it's have a like spreadsheets and yeah. I don't have a spreadsheet per se, but I do have a, a kind of an inventory of everything I've eaten all year. Uh, and I review it and I, you know, rank them and, and, and kind of sort them into categories based on the groupings that I think might work. It's, it's really impressive, honestly, because, you know, just the production of all, but also like you have celebrity introductions to each of these different categories and what you've, you're putting out like two a day at this point. More or yes. Less. Yes. It's, I imagine. Yeah. I imagine there's a lot going into it. At what point of the year are you starting like the, production process for the awards portion of it outside of just what you're doing day to day by logging everything um i usually start around of november 15th so about a month in advance okay that's that's still pretty good in advance considering um yeah that and i also do other things like i do uh usually generally the week before i do stuff i do kind of a uh rundown of other stuff on my uh on my instagram stories uh which include um things other categories that didn't make it that, that weren't noteworthy enough to, you know to make it to the actual show and i also do one a local one for portland with all the things the best things i've eaten this year yeah i saw too i saw also speaking in portland that the sauce of the year was the uh like a hot soy sauce i think yes that, that's so good it sounds amazing i didn't i never would have combined I don't know. For some reason, you just think of regular soy sauce, but a heated soy sauce sounds fantastic. Yeah, and it's sweet too. I mean, it's kind of sticky. It's kind of sticky. So, but like, man, I use it every single time I get uh, almost any. Definitely when I order Chinese food, but other foods, you know, sushi things like that, I put it on yeah. everything I can. Um, we have a lot of really great sauces. I'm not going to spoil too much of the steamies, but there's another one coming up to this afternoon. That's also the winter okay. is also from Portland. We have a call it thriving culinary scene. Yeah, which I mean, 
I'm sure that only added to your your desire to move there on top of it, you know, just uh-huh. the, 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 the fact that it's not the prices of LA close enough to it. Although to your point, geography is pretty democratized at this point, thanks to the internet. So that must make it, you know, so much easier to, to do your job without having to travel a lot. I mean, especially in general, but certainly in light of the pandemic where it's advisable, probably at least at some point, not to at all. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I used to have to go to L.A. every two weeks, and now I have not been since November 2019. Oh, wow. Even better. Although, I'm sure Zoom meetings and everything are their own form of adaptation, but it's certainly better than the alternative, I'm sure. Well, I mean, I like to get, I like the sunshine of going to L.A. That was always one of the, uh, uh, you know, upsides and having to go to the beach or something like that. But, uh, you know, Zoom meetings are so much more efficient because if you didn't have to drive for an hour to go you know, in LA, when you go to a meeting, it, it takes 45 minutes to an hour to drive there. So you have to, the meeting cannot just be five minutes. The meeting has to, you have to artificially inflate the length of the meeting so that it seems like it was worth the time to get there. Whereas in a Zoom meeting, you can just be on, you get on for five minutes and then it's over. So there's a lot less time wasting and including at least in my experience in working, working in writer's rooms online, there's not not nearly so much time wasting as there would be when you drove to the place and you know, you're going to be there all day. You know, you just kind of want to kill time until it's time to go home. Whereas on the Zoom, you know, if you get the work done, then you can go back to your life. 